everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. We, as always, are so happy to have you joining us today. Um, You are joining in now, listening, as well as our other Facebook Live viewers that we have right now. So uh, everybody out there, thank you so much for joining and listening and continuing to be um, loyal to this program. We we really do appreciate that. Um, As always, I'm your host, uh, Brent Smith, joined by my fellow host, Daniel Yelverton. And then today, we have um, like our regular guest for this. Co-host. Co-host. Fellow maybe. ghost. Whatever. Fe- fe- fellow fe- ghost. Fellow yeah. ghost. Ooh. Hey, it is October. Um, so anyway, <laughs> this is actually our first Facebook Live that we have done with Pastor Phil on yep. here joining us. He is our, our guest for this week. As I went through last week and explained how we're going to kind of shuffle through the staff each week, uh, he will be our third week of the month guest. So Phil, thank you for joining us, and thank you for being here today. And um, man, you got a good chapter to talk about today. I'm so excited. (laughs) It's going to be fun. Oh, man. So, uh, guys, we are on Genesis 38 today. And this is definitely an Old Testament chapter. Um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. So the, if you've read ahead, you know what, I'm, what we're referring to. But um, there is definitely some more. Uh, I feel like we should put like those TV ratings on some of these chapters when we do them. MA. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely some mature material, more mature material in the Old Testament as we're Mm -hmm. traveling through the Old Testament now compared to the New Testament typically. So um, today is one of those chapters, and, um, you know, we've we've been... uh, Preparing for how to talk about this for a couple days now, I think. But um, anyway, it's uh, Genesis 38. So, Daniel, if you would do your regular part here and give us context (laughs) on what we're about to get into, please. Oh, man. I'll fall on the sword. Uh, Hi, Hi, Roger. Just want to say hi, Roger. Love you, man. Uh, Sorry. And then Loretta and Christina, (laughs) thank you for joining us. Uh, So, right now, um, we're kind of like... We're leaving uh, the whole story about Jacob and his family and uh, kind of Jacob's stuff going on with his wives and his kids. And now we're kind of focusing more on uh, Jacob's kids. And so in Genesis 37, we start kind of the story of Joseph. And Joseph is going to be the, the basically the dominant character for the rest of Genesis. And uh, and so, you know, we're getting uh, kind of this sibling rivalry, really kind of you're starting to see a lot of just more dysfunction that's kind of happening in the family. Um, and then there's this weird chapter, Genesis 38, that just kind of pops out of nowhere. It seems like it's just, it's almost like a, like a, like a, like a anecdote that just came. And then now it's, you know, and then we go back to the story of Joseph. And so, um, I wanted to kind of, I guess, uh, give a little bit of context to that because, uh, it can seem like really arbitrary, but there's a lot of significance in this chapter. And we start to see later on that, like, this is the beginning of some things that are unfolding. So how, uh, so what do we do with this chapter? I think that's, that's going to be the first question we're going to ask. And I think that uh, it, is, uh, it is one that's going to show significance uh, later on. Uh, we're going to see that Judah is in the lineage of Jesus. And actually, this story is referenced in Jesus' lineage that we see. I believe it's in Matthew that he'll, the, the, he'll reference uh, Tamar. Uh, in this, uh, so there's a, there's significance from uh, Jesus's lineage uh, perspective, but also it's really interesting to see uh, the shift that happens in Judah's character because honestly, Jacob's sons they're they're pretty messed up. Like we see that in Genesis, I think it's 34 when they go and kill an entire village and then they enslave all of the women and children. Uh, so that's uh, 
that doesn't seem like really good ethical thing to do for uh, or really a proud moment for your dad to see your kids do that. Uh, and so so anyway, so Judah is starting to make a transition, I think, and distinguish himself a little bit as becoming a man that kind of almost starts to mimic a little bit of Jesus. Uh, and you'll see that later on as he starts interacting with when Joseph's in Egypt and um, and. Uh, they're bringing Benjamin back. It, it's you see Judah's character coming out in a lot better way. So that's why I think, even though this seems like a random story, it's going to have some significance as the story unfolds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another thing is, is this this chapter is heavy on the context of Canaanite culture and culture in this time. Yeah. So like, it's we're gonna read these things and we're gonna be like, what is going on here? Why is that happening? Yeah. Why? And so we kind of have to a little bit pull away from our, you know, you know, 21st century perspective and go back a little bit just to see kind of what society was like in that. And, and so kind of give uh, the characters a little bit of grace in the fact that their culture yeah. is very different from ours. Context is so crucial here in yeah. understanding what's going on um, big time. And, and like uh, Bill Tackett commented, it's very interesting how despite Judas' questionable life choices out of his line, meaning his offspring, God brought David, and then beyond that, he brought Jesus. So you're right. As we read that, keep that in mind. <clears throat> yeah. So thank you guys for setting that up for us. Um, you know, Daniel, you always do a great job at that. Um, Phil, it's great to have you tag team with him on that. But um, guys, so we will go ahead and get into today's scripture reading. Um, Just a heads up to you, it is much shorter than the last two weeks that we've done. Uh, Two weeks ago was over 11 minutes, I think, of scripture that we listened to. Uh, And then last week, I believe, was over 10 minutes. This week, it's only five minutes in like 20 seconds or so, something like that. So we'll get into it. Uh, Genesis 38, this is from the Dwell app, and we will be right back. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. There, Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. He took her and went into her, and she conceived and bore a son, and he called his name Ur. She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. Yet again she bore a son, and she called his name Shelah. Judah was in Kizib when she bore him. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her, and raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he went in to his brother's wife, he would waste the semen on the ground, so as not to give offspring to his brother. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till Shelah, my son, grows up, for he feared that he would die like his brothers. So Tamar went and remained in her father's house. In the course of time, the wife of Judah, Shua's daughter, died. 
When Judah was comforted, he went up to Timnah to his sheep shearers, he and his friend Hira the Adulamite. And when Tamar was told, Your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's garments and covered herself with a veil, wrapping herself up and sat at the entrance to Enaim, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Sheila was grown up, and she had not been given to him in marriage. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. He turned to her at the roadside and said, Come, let me come in to you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you give me that you may come in to me? He answered, I will send you a young goat from the flock. And she said, If you give me a pledge until you send it. He said, What pledge shall I give you? She replied, Your signet and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went in to her, and she conceived by him. Then she arose and went away. And taking off her veil, she put on the garments of her widowhood. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend the Adulamite to take back the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her, and he asked the men of the place, Where is the cult prostitute who was at Enaim at the roadside? And they said, No cult prostitute has been here. So he returned to Judah and said, I have not found her. Also, the men of the place said, No cult prostitute has been here. And Judah replied, Let her keep the things as her own, or we shall be laughed at. You see, I sent this young goat, and you did not find her. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has been immoral. Moreover, she is pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, Bring her out, and let her be burned. As she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law, By the man to whom these belong, I am pregnant. And she said, Please identify whose these are, the signet, and the cord, and the staff. Then Judah identified them and said, She is more righteous than I, since I did not give her to my son Sheila, and he did not know her again. When the time of her labor came, there were twins in her womb. And when she was in labor, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, This one came out first. But as he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out. And she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore his name was called Perez. Afterward, his brother came out with a scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. 
All right, you guys, and we are back from Genesis 38. That's from the Dwell app. I just want to plug again real quick, quick the Dwell app. Um, it's something that we use on here to do our scripture reading for us now. We think it adds a little bit more of a, um, a dynamic side to the reading, something a little more interesting with you. The Dwell app is an app that has taken um, four different people and had them read through the entire Bible um, in a very well-produced way. Um, almost as if they are voice actors in a way. And then they also have composed their own music, lots of different kinds of music. They have piano, they have ambient, they have guitar, they have cello, they have all this different stuff that you can choose from. Uh, it's an app that you can uh, download to your smartphone, and then it's just a $2 a month subscription to be able to have access to it. I love it. Um, they gave us permission to use it on here, and um, it's made our lives a lot easier and hopefully made the scripture reading section a little bit more entertaining for you guys as well. So anyway, back from the Dwell app from Genesis 38. So guys, <laughs> let's do this. Let's go. What do we want to touch on first? Uh, I think um, as Daniel set up the the context, I think it's really important to look at, okay, what what in the world is going on? Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, why is this included in Scripture? And then number three, what in the world is going on? Uh, <laughs> Go back to question one. <laughs> yeah. um, Repeat. What is going on yeah. is the Canaanite culture um, is toxic and infecting anyone who kind of... Um, uh, proximity. Yeah, the proximity and kind of just melds into their culture. And what's happening with Jacob and his sons is they are being drawn to this Canaanite culture. They're being sucked in. They're being grafted in. Mm-hmm. And um, it is influencing them. So one application right there is, you know, bad company corrupts good behavior. You have mm-hmm. to really choose who you uh, live life with. And the Canaanite culture, this is why God says, do not associate with these different cultures. They do not worship me. They do not acknowledge me. And one of the um, many gross and vile um, ways of culture is that the Canaanite women would actually, every single Canaanite woman at some point in their life would prostitute themselves as a act of worship to the many gods that they have. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. Yeah. I mean, and so they're not just doing this and just trying to, um, find pleasure in all looking for love in all the wrong places <laughs> they're they're literally doing this as nice an act Johnny of Lee worship yeah. um and so we have to see that as context that th- th- this is what's happening here um and so they would literally leave their husband at some point in their um their marriage and prostitute themselves as an act of worship to god This is why God says, avoid them at all cost. They do not acknowledge me. They do not worship me. And so we have to be very careful um, how we read this, but also what what are we getting from this? So number two, why is this included in the scripture? Well, number one is if we read on, Jesus comes through this family line. Mm -hmm. Jesus comes completely out of this line of dysfunction. Uh, that's hope for all of us because I don't think many of us find us in this kind of situation, maybe some, but uh, we all find ourselves in broken 
um, situations. And so um, that's number one. Number two, uh, in the New Testament, it says that the scriptures, all scriptures are beneficial. They're powerful. They're profitable for teaching and rebuking and for learning and growing more like Christ. So obviously God wants us to get something from this. God would include this not only to show us the line of Jesus, but also there's something in here uh, that God wants us to learn more about his heart, but also to reshape and mold our hearts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then third, why is this going on? Well, we'll figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) So I do have a question for you, because I know that this is something that we all deal with today, I think. Um, as, as believers and as people who know Jesus, and we're called to go into the world and share the gospel. So I know that um, you were talking about the Canaanites and how bad company um, can corrupt. So how do we walk that line as believers today of staying away from bad company, but also taking the gospel to bad company? Yeah, and I think that's something to be said. We're kind of getting into application, and that's okay. Sure. Um, you know, it's I hate even saying this, but it is kind of scripture of beat being in the world, but not of it. We are called to love everybody. We are called to even associate and, 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 and meet people where they're at. I think where we give our hearts, our devotion, and who we allow to influence us is what's most important. Yeah. And I, there's, I mean, that's differences. You have acquaintances, you have different uh, groups and events that you go to, but they don't really, you don't give them your heart. Yeah. Mm. You don't open yourself to them. It's only those that you give permission to, to have such an impact on your life. And so I think that's the balance there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's like influence is, is a very key word there uh, because uh, kind of in like proximity. So a great example of that, as we see earlier in Genesis, is the story of Lot, right? And uh, Lot gets closer and closer to a bad culture, to bad influences. And he finds himself keeping, like it's like baby steps. Like he first he pitches his tent towards Sodom and then he's in the gates and then he's come part of the culture. And, uh, and so proximity to and influence by is I think going to be really important because it's impossible for us to accomplish the mission of Jesus to go and tell people about Jesus, to go make disciples, um, to reach a lost world without having any contact with the lost world or anybody that, uh, and so, uh, so it is about like influence then. So if, is, if, is this like, are you looking to assimilate to the culture or are you hoping that the culture can be influenced by you and assimilate to the kingdom of God? Yeah. Hmm. So I, th- I think that kind of can give, give us a little bit of, uh, because it, it is, it's easy for us to be pulled one direction. Um, and a lot of times it has to do with those who, who we allow to have influence, like friends, family, different things like that. And so sometimes it's it's good to pull away from that. And uh, kind of to our, our culture a little bit is, is, is that influence, who influences us is a choice. And I think that a lot of times we will get influenced, even though we're using social media as a wonderful platform here, we can use, like that can influence us and tell us who we are and we can find our identity and uh, people's comments, people's likes, different things like that. And uh, we're giving them permission to do that. And, and one of the questions that we've always asked ourselves when it comes to our identity and when you're evaluating, you know, who you are in, you know, 
who, how you view yourself is we ask ourselves, who told you that? Like, who told you that you were this? Who told you that you were, you know, whatever, whether it's a, a loser or, you know, uh, lazy or, you know, a cheater or whatever it is. Right. Who told you that, you know? And yeah. if that's somebody that's not uh, somebody that, like, we always say God is the one that identifies who we are. Yeah. And we say, if, man, if, if that person bought you, made you, or identifies you as your own, then you inf- you let them be the one that influences you. Yeah. And we I mean, we, we did talk about that uh, a couple weeks ago, I believe. I don't know if it was last week with uh, Tiffany on here with us or the week before with Lainey, but we talked about um, you're going to hear everything, but it's who you listen to. It's yeah. who you let have that, yeah. you give permission to that uh, that impact on your your view of things in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing that I wanted to kind of talk about with context is, um, it's just kind of this whole like Tamar marrying Judah's son. And then all of a sudden now her, her brother, he dies for some random reason. He's just, he, we just know that he's evil. And so he dies. Mm-hmm. We don't know why. Uh, and then now her, uh, his brother, so Ur, uh, is the original guy. His brother Onan then has to marry his wife. Right. And so, like, why? Like, what's what's going on here? That seems really weird that a brother would have to yeah, marry yeah. Thank you for explaining another this, brother's yeah. uh, wife, a widowed wife. Yeah. And, and so what it is, is it's about legacy. Um, and so children, legacy, is it's huge for this culture, right? And so once, uh, if, if, if someone dies without an heir, then their name is basically done. It's cut off, right? And so uh, that is so important in this culture to the point where, uh, a brother would have to kind of basically marry his widow, his brother's widow, mm-hmm. if he didn't have a son mm. to carry on his name, right? And, and so that's what's happening here with Tamar. So, and then Onan, uh, he this is just weird, right? So we can take this what Onan does, and I'm just not going to go into details because we're <laughs> Facebook Live right now, and my kids are listening. So, um, but. <laughs> Onan doesn't really do the right thing. Um, and uh, But what's what's really interesting is that Onan's responsibility is to honor his brother mm-hmm. and to carry on his brother's name and to give his brother some uh, like a lineage, right? Yeah. Provide. And yeah. provide for that. Uh, however, he doesn't want to do that, and so but he'll still take the sex. Yeah. That, that's what he does. Like He'll say, okay, I'll marry her. I still want the, want sex, but I'm not going to take any responsibility or take any of the any honorable part of it. Wow. And and this is where I think we can just let's let's just be honest with the culture that we live in is that you know, we sex for us is just what we want. You know, it it can be a selfish act, right? And mm-hmm. and Onan is kind of walking to that. He's just he's just using it for whatever his purposes and whatever he wants to do with disregard of what responsibility is uh, is supposed to like what responsibility he's supposed to take, how he's supposed to show honor uh, to his uh, brother's widow, so his brother's wife, uh, his brother, mm-hmm. his family, and everything like that. And so he just he just says, okay, you know, I'm just gonna get what I want with disregard to anybody else. Yeah. And and so I think that it's very easy for us to fall into that. You know, it's very easy for us to fall into a selfish mentality when it comes to. How we how we act, how we view what we do with our life, right? If so, yeah. like, like, okay, this 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 feels good for me. This works out for me, and not take in regard the impact that it's having on other people. Yeah. Um. And and so that's where I feel like. And what's interesting is you're going to see a contrast between Onan and Judah at the end of this chapter, right? Uh, because 
uh, through the whole process of what Tamar does when she realizes that Judah's not going to give him her other son. Actually, let's talk about that real quick. So Tamar now is stuck because she is a widow, which, you know, there's there's a whole thing, thing about like the, with the widows, like not being really remarrying. She has no kids. She's young. So she has the rest of her life to live basically in shame and dishonor and in the lowest, uh, like the lowest position in society. Mm-hmm. So right? she'd be an outcast. Yeah, basically. And, and and then so she's supposed to go back to her father's home where she's <laughs> supposed to just live at her parents' basement basically and accomplish nothing in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the thing that Judah has kind of basically like he has kind of pronounced that on her because she has aligned herself to Judah's family. She has put Judah as kind of she's now under the head of his family and he's basically just pushed her away. Right. And so what she does, even though for us, we're like, oh, my gosh, this is so extreme. Like she's going and like prostituting herself. Um, she is Judah's not doing what's right. And so he is just basically throwing her to the side and saying whatever. Like, you know, he's very much she's marginalized completely in society. And so she takes it into her own hands to do what is supposed to be done and what is supposed to be right. And Judah, at the end of the chapter, realizes this. And he even says this, which is crazy. He says, she is more righteous Righteous than I am. Yeah. More right. Righteous is a word we don't use very often, but she is of higher, uh, higher, like, um, uh, She's she's more right than I am. Higher level of justice, different things like that. More honorable. Uh, so that he's he's admitting that he was he was in the wrong basically yeah. in this situation. Um, and so so yeah. So that's kind of why like why yeah. that's happening. Why she's doing that, but also why Judah failed in in kind of doing this. But in the contrast between Onan and Judah, Onan just kind of carries on because he wants the sex. Judah realizes that she's doing an honorable thing. She gets pregnant, but then he doesn't carry on with that. Like he says, and it says that he never slept with her because he's doing the honorable thing, right? Again, he's, he's, yeah. yeah, he's honoring his son. He's honoring the lineage that's supposed to be there where his other son, Onan, um, didn't care for that at all. And right. so that's why we see like this kind of extreme response from God. It's not that what Onan did as far as the act of not impregnating Tamar, let's just say it that, uh, but it's more that the fact that his, he was so selfishly motivated and had so much disregard to honoring mm-hmm. his brother and his family in the process. So yeah. that's, that's where it gets a little strange. And so that's why I wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And I do have a question because there is another wrinkle to um, what they talk about in here with Onan and why he made the decision that he made that I'm a little confused on and maybe you guys might know better, but it says part of the reason he didn't want to do that is because he knew that the children wouldn't be his. Yeah. How is that? If he's now the father and she is the mother, do they have to be raised in culture as his brother's children? In that family line, even though he's the father, yeah. again, it's it, it's back to what you said of legacy. Yeah, and uh, I can't think of the name of the cus of the custom in in Jewish history. Yeah, uh, they no longer practice this, mm-hmm. but when, uh, like Daniel said, when when uh, uh, a woman's husband dies, it is the responsibility for the next in line, uh, or is it even the older? So what it is is it's the uh, who it's the the older yeah. if it's the older brother and so that you want to honor each uh, son right in, the, in in that excuse category but it's called the uh, leveret marriage there it is 
There it's a Levert marriage. It's a custom that comes from Deuteronomy 25, mm-hmm. and it really is. It's just to to uh, pass down the lineage and of that. Uh, if someone dies prematurely or something along those lines, to carry yeah. on their name. Yeah. And you, I mean, we're Old Testament meets New Testament, and you look at Philippians two. Okay, mm-hmm. the design of humankind is what Jesus displays, mm-hmm. and that is humility and service. He did not count. Uh, equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself, became a servant, became nothing, and for the sake of others. Mm -hmm. And that's really kind of where this, what is it, Leverett? Uh, where this customary kind of comes in place in the design of God Mm. is to take care of one another, to humble yourself. So it's not about your uh, seed or your child, your biological child, but it's literally serving the woman, serving your brother and giving him that, uh, giving that child the heritage and the identity that that child deserves. And Jesus laid down his life to give us the identity that he believes that we deserve. We don't deserve it, but he loves us that much that he gave it. Mm-hmm. So there's the tie there. And I also think, I, I love, as I've been reading some commentary, I love the whole correlation and parallel. While this is going on with Judah and Tamar, where is Joseph? His brother, his youngest brother, who they faked his death, sold him to slavery, not good, it's awful. Mm-hmm. But God removed, God always, he never wastes anything. And he removed Joseph from that culture of the Canaanites to do some work, some character work, some heart work, where Joseph changed um, the tra- uh, trajectory of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And God had to remove him from the influence of the Canaanites mm, yeah. and take him away. And he was doing something so powerfully in Joseph as he was doing something so powerfully with Judah. But if you just look at the parallel of what's going on, it's pretty, pretty extraordinary. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I think what's also interesting to me is that uh, maybe a piece of application here is um, kind of the um, perspective when it comes to justice. Uh, and I'll, I'll explain what I'm, what I'm talking about in that when they find out that Tamar is pregnant, it's like a witch hunt, right? I mean, she's going to, they're going to like kill her uh, for prostituting herself. And so, uh, so often we, uh, we want justice for other people, but we want mercy for ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we will take the perspective of assuming the worst for other people, but when it comes to us, we, we give ourselves like reasons why this is the situation that it is. And, and so uh, I know it's kind of a stretch a little bit, but I think that it's, it's easy for us to then point the finger at Tamar in that instance and be like, gosh, she's a terrible person. Look at all the terrible things she's done when actually she is in the right and she's doing the honorable thing. Um, but it were the quick, the quickness to accusation, uh, but how often we will, so we'll quickly accuse others maybe. Uh, but we will ourselves want mercy, right? We'll, we'll we'll say, well, I was in this season. This is why I did this. This is all these different things, and uh, and so what I'm what I'm seeing about Judah, which I appreciate, is that he's very quick to recognize that he was in the wrong, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, that he that he was actually the one that like uh, needed mercy, 
right? And mm-hmm. and um, and deserve justice, but needed mercy instead of the other way around to where we justice should have been served to Tamar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that this is one thing for us because it gives us a window in perspectives, right? Because we're able to see what Judah's doing wrong throughout this process, what his sons are doing wrong in this process, how Tamar is trying to make things right by doing the the right thing, and then Judah eventually recognizing what that is. And I think so often we don't take that time. We don't take that time to shift perspectives, right? And to think, okay, I'm going to put myself in somebody else's shoes and figure out what's going on. And I see kind of the parallel between this and the woman caught in the act of adultery in John chapter nine or mm-hmm. 8, sorry, where... Mm-hmm. They uh, they're just ready to to just you know crucify this woman for being yeah. caught literally in the act of literally in the the act of sin right, and and then you know one by one Jesus pushes away all of the accusers you know and and then he you know he he basically says I don't accuse you either but go and sin no more right so this is not like what happened here is not good it's not fun it's not this is not like functional family interact interaction right <laughs> yeah but. Uh, but there's still an opportunity to do what's right, and there's still an opportunity to take uh, take on and look at the perspective of what other people are are dealing with or whatever situation they're in, and, and be an opportunity to ex- try to extend mercy instead of just demand justice constantly. Yeah. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I had a thought earlier that kind of ties into I, I read a comment from Phil actually on our um, on our conversation that we're having here with our Facebook Live followers right now that kind of tied everything together for me. And I don't know if this is the overarching uh, idea that we want to touch on today with this conversation or not. But um, I know that um, earlier you were talking about the Canaanite culture and um, talking Mm -hmm. about how the women at some point in time would leave their husbands and go Mm -hmm. prostitute themselves for the gods. Um, And in that time, I remember thinking, I almost said it, I was like, well, I bet they had really dysfunctional marriages because not only are their wives going out and and having sex with other people which causes all kinds of problems mm-hmm. they're also doing that without knowing god without knowing the true mm-hmm. god mm-hmm. so they don't have that morality they don't have that true north in their marriage um and then i was reading through this and i saw where you said we are living in an onan culture mm-hmm. and we touched on that with um the question that we had last week um, about God being out of our culture and about how things just, they get so crazy. And, and, and our culture is, is starting to kind of show a lot of wear and tear on it and so many changes and, and rapid changes. So I just, I thought that was interesting that, that it has such a parallel to, to today. I don't know if our culture is that far, but in some places it is. So um, yeah. I just didn't know if you guys had anything on that. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think that, um, I think we definitely cultural in itself you know with when you remove god it doesn't get to a better place you know it just continues to kind of go into worse and worse situations uh, because what god ultimately brings to culture is he brings honor and value to every human being mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i mean that's literally when god says the greatest commands i can give you is to love your god love god and love others mm-hmm. you know and, and so when you remove that uh and you start acting kind of what you what you think is right and what you think is going to be the right thing to do. Um, there's a lot of collateral damage. There's a lot of collateral damage that comes with that. And, and I mean, like the collateral damage that you see that's happening because of the influence of the Canaanites, but also just all throughout, you know, Abraham's family passed down to Isaac and to Jacob and then to Joseph. Um, Joseph, he gets removed from it, which I think was a really good point, Phil, because yeah. even though Egyptian culture is still terrible. Like it's right. really, it's really, it's not like in much better than the Canaanite culture. But I think that in the process, God is teaching him and walking with him in the in, in all of that. One, well, if you think about it too, is um, even before the Egyptian culture, 
well, not before. Uh, let's let, let's even step back. Um, talking about paralleling uh, Judah and Joseph, uh, Judah gives in to uh, prostitution. He sees them along the way, and for some reason, he decided to fulfill his pleasure. Yeah. Um, at the around the same time, Joseph is serving for Potiphar, very powerful governor uh, official, mm. um, and his the the Potiphar's wife prostitutes herself on Joseph. She time after time and again wants to get in bed with Joseph. Mm-hmm. And what does Joseph do? He speaks truth. He remembers truth. He is not being influenced by the culture. Mm-hmm. And he speaks truth and he says, this is another man's wife. I'm going to honor the Lord and not do that to the point where he runs away. Potiphar's wife makes up a story and what happens? He gets thrown in jail. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's removed even further <laughs> from mm-hmm. culture, but that's where God does character work. Mm-hmm. And I know many people listening or even watching, you may feel like you are further and further and further away from where you think you need to be, but God is always in the business of restoring and molding your heart and molding your character so that when he brings you out of that pit, when he brings you out of that season, you are refined as gold and you're ready. You're ready to uh, lead a life of repentance. You're ready to seek after righteousness as we see in Joseph and then eventually with Judah as well. Mm -hmm. Hi, Eric Cole. So good to see you, brother. (laughs) So what do you guys think? What is, uh, if there is an overarching theme and application that we can get to for this. I mean, do you guys have anything on that? Mm. Number one, sin will always find you out. Mm. Uh, Sin always has to be paid for and sin always has consequences. Um, Judah, um, Judah departed from his brothers. So the, the Israel influence, he departed from his brothers and he implemented and kind of, um, emerged his life into the Canaanite life. Mm-hmm. So he separated first, he separated himself from a community of, of believers or children of God, the ways of Israel. Mm-hmm. And he emerged himself in a whole other culture. Um, number two, sin is going to bring destruction mm-hmm. and it's going to take you further back than where you were before you, um, uh, entertained that temptation. And so those are two, I think, applications for me. Mm-hmm. Number one is who you choose, and you do have a choice of who you allow to pour into your life and influence you. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, where it says, um, don't be mistaken or don't be a fool. Bad company corrupts good behavior. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be very careful, not who we hang out with necessarily, but who we allow to influence us and shape our beliefs, our thoughts, the way we do things, um, our politics, you name it. It, it influences us. It, it impacts us. Yeah. I think some of the things that kind of stick out to me too is, um, kind of like uh, Paul will tell us to evaluate ourselves in Romans 12 and, and to see kind of mm-hmm. where I fall into uh, the se- the spectrum of selfishness, like like where I'm, I'm putting my desires above the needs and the interest of others, right? Mm-hmm. So um, just like taking the mind of Christ, like you talked about earlier in the podcast about mm-hmm. being humble in Philippians 2, it says, you know, look out for the interest of others over the interest of yourself. Mm-hmm. 
And so you can see that like, it's pretty obvious here that the interest of Tamar, like Tamar, like they, they don't care about Tamar. They don't care. They, they, they completely disregarded her. She is being, she's being abused really. And, and then, you know, but God not only vindicates her, but God also includes her in the lineage of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is like one, like God has, God is powerful enough to supersede the evil that happens in our world Mm -hmm. and the evil that happens in our lives. So that's, that's one thing that I think is, is awesome. But, but where am I in the spectrum of, 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 of being a blessing or being uh, like a stumbling to the people around me and to the people I care about? Am I, am I, am I falling into the place where, you know, my actions become more and more about myself, more and more about my needs, Mm -hmm. you know, and some of this is pretty extreme, you know, but I mean, in a culture where, you know, people just, the, the common theme is that sex is just physical, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, it's, it's what you do, you know, it's a hookup culture, you know, that, uh, that it doesn't, you know, it's devoid of responsibility. It's devoid of, of thinking about honoring the other person. And even like, Honor is a good is an important word because our sexual ethic needs to be informed by honor, right? Yeah. Because the way I treat and as a, you know, the way you treat the somebody that you're dating or somebody that you're with is that you you should think about that person's spouse even if it's not you, think about that person's spouse instead of your needs, mm-hmm. right? Because you want to honor their future spouse. You want to honor their future husband, you want to honor their future wife by the way that you treat that person. Right. And so if we inform our uh, the way we view our sexual ethic in honoring other people, then that will prevent us. And that should prevent us from just using sex for our own selfish needs and selfish gains. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know that, like, primarily the audience that we have right here are people that go to our church. And so this may not be something that we uh, that our audience is maybe wrestling with right now. But I think it's good for us to understand because I think we can look arbitrarily and say, you know, God says no premarital sex. And then we can think like, well, okay, God just is, you know, he's a killjoy. You know, he's trying to take away all my fun, right? Uh, I don't know. We're just kind of having an honest conversation sure. here, right? Um, but really what he's doing is is, is that is such a, a, such a protective thing. You know, it, it's something that protects us uh, when it comes to honoring our future spouses, mm-hmm. uh, but also honors, honoring the future spouses of other people because it's not just physical. You know, Onan is trying to do it where he just wants to get what he wants, but he's disregarding all the responsibility, uh, all of the, um, all of the, the, the role that he's supposed to play. And, and so I don't know. I think that that to me is, is the question is, is where am I? And it may not be with sexual ethic, right? But it may just be with other things. Like, where am I falling in the spectrum of, okay, what am I doing as far as like selfishly motivated or what am I doing to honor other people? Mm-hmm. What am I doing that's going to really be more for my needs and disregard other people? Or where am I looking out for the interest of others? Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's where, and am I humble enough to admit my mistakes just like Judah did? Like where he's mm-hmm. going to say, you know what? You are more righteous than I am, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's to me is kind of the thing that sticks out as far as uh, uh, application here, is that uh, the tendency is going to be us to lean more towards the Onan, right? Yeah. To lean more towards the selfish side. And Judah does the same thing because Judah just hoards his, you know, his youngest son. And um, and they they really just push Tamar to the side. And I, and I think that's also one of the things that Jesus came to do is he came to also show that there is great value and God loves those who are marginalized by society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a big deal for us, that if we're followers of Jesus, then we need to kind of carry in the same footsteps of honoring and loving and and bringing value to those who are marginalized in our society. Because in Jesus's culture, it was the sick, it was the lepers, it was the sexually immoral, it was the tax collectors that he uh, brought to the status of, you know, you are loved mm-hmm. and, and I see you and I know you and I love you and I'm going to die for you, you know? And, and so uh, I think that is, for me, this is part of this story too, is that, um, you know, it's very easy for Tamar to be completely marginalized by, you know, Judah, by by his family. But uh, but ultimately, God does an amazing thing. And yeah, she's part of the history of Jesus now, you know, which is yeah. amazing. Like it literally says, oh, yeah. And then it was, you know, Jacob, uh, we got, you know, it had Judah and then Judah, whose wife, who, you know, who slept with Tamar had, you know, Perez, I think is the next one in uh, in Jesus's line. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's. This is part of Jesus's heritage. Yeah, really cool. Um, so, guys, we are approaching forty minutes uh, for the podcast so far. So, I want to go ahead and wrap it up if we can. We've had a couple of really long ones the last couple of weeks with our long scripture that we had tied into everything as well. Um, so, uh, Phil, if you wouldn't mind, um, as our lead pastor, if you would please uh, pray for us as we finish out today, and then I will wrap us up. That'd be great. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have the opportunity uh, in this country to even do a podcast and to speak about truth, to process your word together on social media uh, as we listen. And uh, Lord, thank you for those freedoms. I pray that you would continue to protect those in our country. And uh, speaking of protection, I ask you to just protect every listener and their families. Father, use your word as we uh, discussed it today. Use your word to transform our lives, to lead us, to guide us, to preserve us, to provide for us. Uh, Your promises are so good. And so I pray and I just speak joy and peace and mercy in everyone's lives this day. May we be changed and transformed by the presence of God through Jesus Christ's sacrifice and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Phil. Um, and thank you, Phil, for joining us uh, today. Great. This was fun. Um, How did you like your, your first Facebook Live experience? Always, always a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> so Phil will be back with us uh, a month from today, uh, give or take. Uh, he'll be our third-week guest every month. Um, unless unless I need to co- <laughs> Unless yeah. you need to come in and crack a whip (laughs) Um, so guys thank you again for joining us it might have to Uh, so thanks again for joining us Uh, please go out and share uh, share the Facebook live and share the audio uh, the audio podcast as well but guys we just thank you so much we love to get to do this each week we love the fact that you guys are tuning in and that you're interacting with us um, putting your own comments in and questions and helping shape the conversation to a place that that hopefully is reaching you better than if just the three of us are sitting here in a box and uh, and and aren't including you in the conversation so um, We will get out of here for now, and um, just be sure to be good to each other until next week, and uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. You guys take care.